Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Kingdom Keys, the official Arrowhead Pride Chiefs pregame show. Full disclaimer, we are recording on a Wednesday this week, so hopefully nothing unforeseen takes place over the next couple of days before the Chiefs take on the Vikings on Sunday. But guys, before we get to this game, we are one month into the season, and I feel like this is sort of an annual tradition. The Chiefs are sitting here three at one, just like they were a season ago. And just sort of going about their year, right? They're not, they're far from a finished product. There's still a lot to clean up and they're not the sexy talking point in the NFL, right? That would be the Bills after their big win over the Dolphins. It was the Dolphins the week before that. I don't know if it's planned. I'm sure it's not if Andy Reid could have a perfect team, but at this point he probably would. But the Chiefs have seemingly mastered the art of not peaking too early in the season and just quietly going about their business while all the other teams in the AFC steal the headlines. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's honestly kind of on par for course as far as what the Chiefs want to be, right? They're they're trying to aim towards that dynastic type of franchise. If you think back to a lot of those Patriots teams, they struggled early. There was the year that they were like two and two and lost to the Matt Patricia Lions of all things. They the Chiefs are still messing with stuff. And I know some of us are going to talk about that with some of our keys as far as like still trying to find the rotation and the wide receiver room. And what guys are we playing on the defensive line to stop the run? What guys are our pass rushers? They're figuring themselves out. So to be three and one. Now, I will say the Chiefs tend to start a lot hotter than those Patriots teams did. But I think that the Chiefs have entered kind of the, the second phase of their, you know, Re, of their building right to that dynasty they've gone through the initial like shock and stars and now they're kind of trying to build through the draft and some of those lower level free agents so you know considering the one loss they had if Kadarius tony was handcuffed like literally had his hands behind his back the whole game they would have won i'll take it yeah, yeah do we like this do we like do we like the chiefs going under the, the radar early in the season maurice yeah, that's what I said. I, I, I love it. Like, because every year that no one wants to pick them. And then kind of this year, people start picking them as the Super Bowl favorites. And then, of course, um, they come out and lose the first game. Then everybody jumps off, right? And starts looking at all of these other teams as the, as the glamorous team. But I, I, I love it because it just allows them to slowly move, slowly get things together, no pressure. And you look up and they're still winning. Like, what, all the all the mistakes, all the, the, the bad – the continuity not being there and everything on offense. And they're still three and one and could easily honestly be four and oh, right. You know, you, 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 you go three and one and the first game was out without two of your, your top players, uh, the top players in the NFL at that. So if you, if you, if you, the chiefs, you take where you at glad they not, we all know they haven't peaked and, and, and got everything where they needed to be. And we all know it's probably on the way. And when it gets there, watch out. I think what makes this year unique for me, though, especially is that even like past Chiefs teams that maybe, you know, had that like two and two, three and one start, they were always amazing on offense. 
and it was always kind of the defense I was lagging. Then kind of the middle of the season, it was always a little bit of both. Like sometimes the defense had a bad week, sometimes the offense had a bad week, and then they both kind of peak at the end of the year. It's been the opposite this year. Like the defense has had such a strong start, and the offense has looked kind of like the one that's lagging behind. So that's what really like makes this year unique, even from like the prior like five years that the Chiefs have been, you know, this really really dynamic team. So that's like this not even like a cause of concern. It just creates this like interesting situation that we haven't really experienced before. Even like Alex Smith days, like they would always start really fast on offense. Um, like that 2017 team, like they were like one of the best offenses ever that first month of the year. Then they kind of had their lags. Like this is just a really like weird situation the Chiefs haven't been in in forever. I, the closest comparison I can think of is two years ago in 2021 when defenses started kind of putting a, a ceiling on the Chiefs offense and taking away the deep shots. And there was that stretch. It happened a little bit later in the season. I think it was around this time, week four, week five, when the Chiefs were kind of finding their footing. But much like this year, even as they're getting comfortable, they were winning. They just weren't winning by enough. And by Chiefs standards, the rest of the NFL says, what's wrong with Kansas City? Meanwhile, other teams are actually losing games. The Chiefs, right? The Chiefs get dinged for not winning by enough. That is the standard that Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and this offense have created. But what's really interesting about where the Chiefs are at right now, you're heading into week five. It is the middle of what I think we all would have agreed before this season was going to be a really tricky portion of the schedule because the Bears were getting a lot of love after getting DJ Moore. Maybe Justin Fields takes a big step into the next season. The Vikings were a playoff team a year ago. The Jets were the darling getting Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. The Broncos getting Sean Payton. We thought like all of these teams might be formidable opponents in 2023. Yet Justin Fields hasn't figured it out. Aaron Rodgers gets injured four plays into the season. Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousinsing, and they would probably be 0-4 if they didn't play the Panthers last week. And the Broncos pulled off a miraculous three-touchdown comeback to beat those Bears in week four. So now we get ready for this Vikings game, Price. Before we get into the keys and what's going on with Minnesota, let's take a look at what's going on with Kansas City. Who's healthy? Who's not? I know it's still a little bit early, but what are the returns right now on who might be available for Kansas City on Sunday? Yeah, overall, we've got two pretty healthy teams here. Uh, the only Chief who did not practice at all was Matt Dickerson, who's a defensive tackle. And then uh, Nick Bolton and Jalen Watson both returned in a limited fashion into practice today. So that's a good sign going against the Vikings' high-powered offense. Um, for the Vikings, they had a couple of players who didn't practice, but they're all kind of uh, veteran rest. Brian O'Neill, Harrison Smith, the safety, and Jordan Hicks all did not practice. Or they, Those are veteran rest days. And then they had... Um, Garrett Bradbury was back. He's limited. He's an interior offensive lineman. Lewis Seen, the safety, was limited with a hamstring. Brian Asamoah was limited as well. And uh, Marcus Davenport was limited as well. So I, I think almost all those guys will pray, play. I think Bradbury's coming back from a little bit more serious injury, so he may or may not uh, play this week, depending on how his rehab goes. But overall, two pretty healthy teams. Two healthy teams, two teams on slightly different trajectories here one month into the season. Let's get to the keys for a Chiefs victory on Sunday and to move to 4-1 and one on this season. Maurice, why don't you start us off? What are you looking at as uh, the Chiefs face off against the Vikings up in Minnesota? To me, what I'm looking at right now, uh, one of the, the things, the only thing that 
in my mind, scares me about Minnesota. What you have to watch out for Minnesota, in my opinion, is Justin Jefferson, right? Arguably um, one of the best wide receivers, if not the best wide receivers in the NFL, you know, by, by, by most standards, right? I think he's really the only one that kind of puts fear in any team heart when you look at the Minnesota Vikings. Um, so I, I'm really – a key to victory to me is just slowing him down. I'm not going to say stop him. Justin Jefferson is going to get some catches. He's going to make some plays, right, but stopping him. And, and, and I feel very strongly about the Chiefs' um, ability to slow him down. Um, Legereus Sneed seems to be following and shadowing a lot of other the, the other teams' best receiver this year unless they go into the slot. And what happens when you go into the slot? You come across <laughs> Trent McDuffie, who is, is considered now one of the best cornerbacks in the National Football League from his play that you've seen this season. Took a couple of hits last week, right, but um, st- still pulled off a solid game. So I think between our, our DBs and the things that they have been showing us this year, if we get some pressure on um, on Kirk Cousins, which I think we will, um, that, that seems to happen to anybody that plays the Vikings, I think we'll get some pressure there, disrupt some timing, and I think our DBs will be able to do a good enough job to slow Justin Jefferson down. And if you slow Justin Jefferson down, you you you, you normally beat the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I think I think you bring a, bring up a great point. I mean, obviously that offense begins and ends with Justin Jefferson. He is the person that they're going to be looking to to filter everything through that offense. Um, one thing that's been interesting about the Vikings this year is they plan to move on from Dalvin Cook this offseason, and they did. And by by all record, it kind of looks like they were right. He looks mostly washed with the Jets. Um, but without Dalvin Cook and the offensive line struggles, they've just been putrid running the ball. They are 28th in the league. They've only rushed for 334 yards. The rushing offense is just virtually non-existent in this offense. So they want to throw the ball. And who would not want to throw to Justin Jefferson? Obviously, you've got TJ Hawkinson. That's a great weapon as well. Um, I think you said the right name with Logarius Sneed. Obviously, his size matches up much better with Justin Jefferson. Uh, they pretty much have given Sneed the shadow treatment most of the year. Um, but the Chiefs did a great job with Calvin Ridley a couple weeks ago, bracketing him as well. I expect that to happen as well. Um, kind of going back to like the Bill Belichick philosophy of corners, put Trent McDuffie on Jordan Addison and shut him down. Like, you know, just don't let Jordan Addison hurt you at all and then make things hard for Justin Jefferson. He is going to get his, but I much rather see some highlight real catches from him where he's just going up and getting contested balls rather than just galloping free through the middle of the field, which he seems to do very regularly. And then, you know, low key, I think this is going to be a, uh, an interesting matchup. This is the best tight end the Chiefs are going to have faced so far. Um, Justin Reed honestly played pretty well. He tripped over Mike Dana's helmet trying to cover um, – CJ uh, or TJ Uzama or whatever his name is for the Jets, but th- there's going to be some interesting challenges here. But yeah, it, it starts and, and ends with Justin Jefferson. You guys is also a unique challenge because the Vikings move him so much. Like, they, if it'd be one thing if he was just on the outside every play, like you know, like a Calvin Johnson type, but they move him in the backfield. They'll put him in the slot. They have him in constant motion all the time. So they do a really nice job of like dictating coverages because you got to have a check for every single place he aligns on the field because he wins from everywhere. So that's what makes the challenge of traveling with him even like scarier. Cause like theoretically you could put seed or McDuffie on him and you know, put a safety over the top or something double in, but they move him around so well that it makes it challenging to do that. So it's going to be an interesting week for the chiefs, just having to figure out all these coverage checks right at the snap before the snap when he's moving where he's aligned like it really is 
one of the most unique challenges in the NFL right now. And I mean, if you think about Kevin O'Connell, where he came from, he came from that Sean McVay tree. Who, who else came from that tree that has generated like triple crown level wide receivers? Cooper Cup, right? They're good at getting this one guy to win in space. That's why I'm so interested, side note, about fantasy football. Like where what's going to happen with Puka Nakua once Cooper Cup backs? Can two, or is he going to fall into that kind of Robert Woods role? But I mean, to your point, they're super creative with him. And I think they're hoping that Addison can become that guy to kind of be the thunder to his lightning. Everybody's talking about Taylor Swift taking over the NFL, but like you were able to fit a Puka Nakua reference into this podcast previewing the Chiefs and Vikings. If so you, if you follow who's me to on say Twitter, who the bigger star is? If you were to follow me on Twitter, you would know that I waste zero opportunities reminding people that I was right about Puka Nakua. I've never been more right about anything. We'll give you your flowers here. We'll give you your flowers here on Kingdom Keys, even though I don't know if I saw the, the Puka Nakua references before. I believe you. I know you to be an honest man, so... I'll retweet uh, yeah. him again. I'll retweet him again just in case you haven't seen him. All right, perfect, perfect. Thank you for the Puka Nakua content. All right, Nate, uh, let's go with you. What is your key to a Chiefs victory on Sunday versus Minnesota? Well, this isn't just a key for this week. It's really the key for the next month, and it's something I've spent too much time talking, writing about. It's the wide receiver hierarchy. Um, I believe, was it last week or two weeks ago, I brought up basketball with it because that's just like how I'm thinking about this right now. The Chiefs on Sunday were really bad targeting wide receivers. I don't typically look at stats during a game just because I have too many other things I'm thinking about. But it was about halfway through the third quarter. It was like, the Chiefs aren't even like throwing to wide receivers. So I was like, so maybe I should look. Through like two and a half quarters, they had targeted wide receivers six times. They had two catches for 22 yards. They did end the game a little bit better, but still it was 12 targets, six catches, 64 yards. That's not a viable way to build a passing offense. You can't. It's just there's no way to build a passing offense without having wide receivers. And the thing I kind of tweeted about earlier this week is like the Chiefs right now, they're doing this thing where they're giving like every wide receiver like three to four targets, maybe five. But they're not there's no like hierarchy or structure. Everybody gets this like equal opportunity role. But like the problem is since everyone's like target share is so limited, if there's like an error like Sky Moore on that like sprint out, well, there goes one of your targets for Sky Moore that was just wasted. So when every wide receiver maybe has one like screw up or Mahomes throws a bad ball, they're only getting two or three other targets and opportunities to even thrive within that game. And to bring up kind of the basketball thing again, it's like in basketball, there's you want LeBron James shooting 20 shots. You don't want Shane Battier shooting 20 shots, right? There's a hierarchy on the best players shoot the most shots and then your role players take kind of fill in the gaps. Right now, the Chiefs are a team full of role players at wide receiver outside of Travis Kelsey. That's just not a it's not a viable way right now. I, I had this earlier this week. I looked at the top five wide receivers by target share and then their percentage of overall targets. The Chiefs right now have like four guys at like nine to twelve percent. It's like thirteen percent, thirteen percent, nine percent, nine percent. That's just not viable. There has to be some type of hierarchy, some guy getting the majority, then the guy behind him, and then the guy behind him. And really the reason why I say it's for the next four weeks is the trade deadline is in four weeks you have to have some answers on wide receivers going into the playoffs because right now I just don't think the way they are building this offense is viable for winning a playoff game. So you need as much information as possible on Sky Moore, Rashi Rice, Kadarius Tony, all these guys in order to be like, okay, what exactly do we need at the deadline and what type of player do we need to target potentially? Nate, this is a question that we had before the season as well. I think we've talked about the wide receivers on almost every episode that we've done. I'm curious 
Is there one wide receiver for better or for worse that has surprised you with their play this year? I think I think Rasheed Rice has been pretty strong this year. I, I know that his targets are all kind of just like these like little sit down routes, but it's still like positive that an Andy Reid like rookie wide receiver is like getting targets is trusted to get the ball thrown to him. That's something that really hasn't like McCall Hardman got a lot of explosive plays, but they didn't throw him the ball often. We know Sky Moore barely got the ball last year. So from that sense, he's kind of the only guy that's been, I would say, above expectation for where everyone kind of thought the wide receiver's been this year. So that's been the only positive sign. But I'd say everybody else is underperforming what expectations were before the season. It's it's interesting you say expectations because it's – are we talking about expectations for these guys individually or are we talking about expectations broadly, vaguely, when we're just talking about what we expect from an Andy Reid – Patrick Mahomes led offense because if I would have picked any one of these guys whether it be Sky Moore, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Richie James and said yeah we're going to get a month into the season and they're going to have underwhelming numbers I don't think any of you guys would have been surprised by that it's only in conjunction with the fact that now we are in it and we're expecting this offense to get humming that we look at some of these dudes and just say no you've got to step up because we knew somebody had to step up the reality is nobody has sort of taken that torch as being the guy that's going to build that trust with Patrick Mahomes here a month into the season. Well, I, I think the biggest problem is, is just we need someone to do something sometimes. Right now, it's just like everyone kind of sitting around looking at each other, waiting for someone to do something, and no one has. Last year, you know, obviously back when it was Tyreek and Travis Kelsey, we've joked about it before from kicking and screaming. It was the pass it to the Italians, right? Just get the ball in the hands of the playmakers, pass it to the Italians. Like he was talking about with, you know, making sure LeBron takes the shots. But last year you had your Juju games, you had your MVS games, and it kind of felt like either or. And then Travis Kelsey was always the constant. I think it's a combination of Travis Kelsey still doesn't look like Travis Kelsey of last year. I don't know if it's the injury. He looks a little bit slower out of his breaks. Um, I mean, he's 34 years old, like probably tomorrow, I think it is his birthday is like real soon. Um, but he's getting older and no one's had a good game, like name the good wide receiver game. I guess if you include a broken down play that uh, Sky Moore was high school wide open, that's your good wide receiver game. But there really hasn't been a, a standout performance from a wide receiver at all. Justin Watson's had nice contributions, but that's what you want from like a wide receiver three or four, which he should be in this offense. Instead, he's been a go to guy. They just need someone to pick up the rope and start pulling and be a, a constant force. Um, I've been really surprised by the lack of presence of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Um, I think Nate shared his yards per route run are like insanely low for him. It, it just it, it doesn't make sense. It's just, it's just like they're like puzzle pieces that aren't fitting together. And to Nate's point, like this is the time they've got to figure it out. Um, so far, the Chiefs really haven't played a bad defense other than the Bears. Yes, the Jags are men. So, and we thought the Lions were going to be bad, but so far they've been a good offense. Obviously, the Jets are a great defense. But like um, I saw one of those graphs that people make from like PFF or whatever, and the Chiefs are in the far left quadrant as far as like good offenses, bad defenses. So they're going to face a lot of teams that they need to score well with but some defenses that should be a lot more cushy for them. So like if these next couple of weeks, including, you know, three AFC West games coming up here, if they don't have it figured out by then, 
yeah, I, I think you start thinking about, you know, are we going to try to make a move at the trade deadline here to get a player or are we just going to have to make it work? And I mean, the Chiefs ran the ball really effectively this past week. I, I thought it was good for them to win in a different type of way than they normally win. So maybe that's part of the answer, too. Maybe they become more of a play action offense. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, guys, I saw a tweet today suggesting that maybe the Bears could trade Chase Claypool to the Chiefs for a seventh round pick. So... Maybe there's one solution. Who knows? Maybe the, maybe the Chiefs should trade pick 31 for him. You know, like last right. time they traded pick 32, 31. If it just keeps going up, he's just going to keep getting better, right? Right. It's like, I know it didn't work in Chicago, but you get him into the right system, and all of a sudden, Chase Claypool, he turns his career around, you know, the Chiefs turn their season around to win-win. You know he's copyrighted the, the name Mapletron because he's from Canada? And like mm-hmm. he calls himself Mapletron is like that. That's your red flag right there. Well, everybody knows that. Well, everybody knows Chase Claypool's Mapletron. So <laughs> you're not breaking red. any news here. All right, Price, let, uh, let's keep it with you. What's your key to a Chiefs win on Sunday? So the the Minnesota Vikings have been one of the most heavy blitz team or blitz orientated teams in the NFL. Brian Flores is a madman. He knows he does not. He's always kind of been this way. He was this way back in Miami. He's got a New England influence, but uh, Brian Flores knows that they don't have a lot on that defense, so they're just going to make they're just going to like play with their hair on fire. If you can't be good, you might as well be angry, and that's that's effectively what their defense is. They've got a couple of good players, and then the rest of it's a very much rebuilding defense, and they just they blitz crazy. In fact, they blitz twelve percent more than the second place team. They are blitzing on fifty seven percent of their plays. That's 12% higher than the next team. Absolutely crazy. Despite all of this blitzing, they are 15th in the league in sacks and 28th in pressures. So a lot of them aren't getting home. Um, basically, it's Daniil Hunter, who is a very good player. 
shocking that he is still healthy. Maybe he gets injured this game. Not obviously not hoping for that, but a player who has quite the injury history. He has five sacks. He's about the only player who's really tallied up a bunch of sacks from the defensive line. Harrison Smith, a safety who's, you know, a good player, but aging has three sacks as well. Uh, as we know, Patrick Mahomes is very effective against the blitz in his career. Uh, this season alone, he's got 0.53 PA for when he's blitz and 48% success rate. The only quarterbacks that are better than that are the three quarterbacks you're probably playing the best right now in the NFL, probably one, two, three MVP voting, Josh Allen, Tua Tungvaloa, and Brock Purdy. Um, Mahomes has been Mahomes has been blitzed 23 times this year so far, which is like a, an extremely low percent that 6.2% of the, his dropbacks have been blitzed. So teams don't blitz Mahomes. They kind of know not to do this. Um, the last game that I remember this happening was the Cardinals game last year where they just like, Oh, we're just going to blitz them. Shout out to Vance Joseph, who the chiefs will also be facing next week. So also another terrible defense there. So it'll be interesting to see. I think, I think it's noteworthy for two things. The Mahomes has killed teams against the blitz for years because he had two things. One, he's a fast processor with great arm talent who can throw off platform. The other thing is he has guys who can win in two seconds, like Tyree kill, right? That's not the case anymore. So how are this? How is this new wide receiver core going to handle being blitzed? One, there's a communication element to this. They need to, like if you're trying to get the ball out in two seconds, you got to know your person is going to be in the right place at the right time. Um, and then two, you know how are the how are they going to scheme this up on the offensive line? Last week, the the Chiefs really struggled picking up a lot of stunts from the Jets' defensive line. Now the Jets' defensive line is probably one of the best in the league. Definitely not the case with the Vikings, but there's going to be a lot of that going on as well too. So communication along the offensive line. It's going to be a big part of how they handle this blitzing defense of Brian Flores. Blitzing Patrick Mahomes is effectively taking the stance of, hey, it'll either work or it won't, which is basically the two outcomes for any defensive strategy. But it could work or you could end up getting boat raced out of the building very, very quickly when you yeah. try to blitz Patrick I mean, Mahomes. there's there's a shot here that this is like a – a vintage, uh, like vengeful pack game coming off the bad performance on in prime time. Some of the comments he's made, he, he feels really bad about how he performed. And, you know, I, I could definitely see it, especially with the element of the blitz and playing indoors on the turf. I think Mahomes has like a dazzling record on turf indoors. Like, uh, there, there's a good chance that we get a, a really strong Mahomes performance here, but then again, like, He's going to need help, right? Like we, we don't need a safety face mask holding penalty. We don't need tip balls to turn in interceptions. He can only do so much. So it's definitely going to be a group effort. I'm going to focus uh, for my key for the Chiefs on Sunday on Isaiah Pacheco, who's coming off his best game of the season. He was the best player on the field for the Chiefs up in New York. And when you kind of talk about what we've talked about this entire episode, sort of the scope and the, the issues and the growing pains of the Chiefs offense right now, one of the guys who has actually excelled this season and is taking a step forward in year two is Pacheco. Right now, I think he's averaging a hair under 90 yards from scrimmage per game, which you extrapolate that out across the course of a 17-game season, that's over 1,500 yards from scrimmage. And going off 2022, that would have put him seventh amongst running backs. And you're talking about being behind guys like Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley, like a who's who of the best running backs in the NFL. And I think it is kind of, it, it goes in line with everything we're talking about with the Chiefs trying to figure out at that wide receiver position, who is going to fulfill what role here? Who is going to play what role? What's the pecking order? What's the hierarchy going to be? As the, the Chiefs are going to change up the running back rotation as they do almost every single year. I know Jarek McKinnon on Wednesday talked about, like he was asked if he's on a snap count and he said, I don't know, but they need to let me loose. 
Maybe that will happen. Maybe they're saving him for later in the season. But Pacheco looks like a guy who is coming into his own here in year two. And as we move forward with these questions about the Chiefs offense, I don't really have any questions about the ground game. And I know there will be games where they get away from it, either because the play script dictates it or because the flow of the game dictates it. But I do believe that when they continue to get Pacheco involved, that will help them get through a lot of their growing pains on offense. You look at his four games this year, his touches have went up in each game. And the first game of the season against Detroit, like he was sparingly used. I, th- I think he got, I don't know, I think it was 10 or less touches in that game. I could be off on that. But he continues to be more and more involved in this offense. And as the Chiefs have got him more involved, good things have happened. I don't, I don't believe like the key to unlocking the Chiefs' offensive identity is handing the ball off to Isaiah Pacheco 20 times a night or getting him 25 touches a night. But as they're trying to figure out the hierarchy in that running back or in that wide receiver room, I think they'd be well suited to continue to hand him the ball because as we've seen the past couple of weeks, when they do that, good things have happened. I think you could make a case that Isaiah Pacheco has been the Chiefs' best offensive weapon through the first month of the season. I wouldn't argue with anybody who wanted to throw Travis Kelsey's name into that ring, but if you're going purely based off production, I don't know how you don't have Pacheco in that conversation. Yeah, I, be, I believe Pacheco has been, been amazing so far this year. And I think a lot of it will help the Chiefs offense if they continue down that path just for a little while. With them teams dropping back in the zone and really trying to, t- you know, make sure Mahomes doesn't take the, the, the deep stuff and trying and trying to blanket Kelsey, it just leaves a light box. And Pacheco is the type of runner that can definitely take advantage of that. His, his vision seem, and his patience have seemed to grow this year with picking the right hole and hitting it, and you know he's going to hit it hard. So it's just that that fact there. And then with the te- with the defense is dropping back and Mahomes taking the check down with Pacheco in the open field, one person's normally not going to bring him down. His contact balance has, has shown to be amazing as well. So I really think just keeping him involved, whether it's in the run or the pass game, to make defense start to have to at least account for him and say, hey, we got to do something to slow him down, can only do – only thing that can happen from that is something else opens up because of that. So I definitely think it's a good route to continue down until the wide receiver room develops and matures a little bit more. Let me ask you guys a question. So going into this offseason, I was pretty much on the idea that Isaiah Pacheco is a good back, not a great back. Chiefs could definitely upgrade the position, et cetera. How much different would you think of the Chiefs if they had what most people consider to be like a true running back one, like a Jonathan Taylor? I'm not going to say Bijan because he's a rookie and he's like just came in the league, even though I think he's at that level already. But like, what is the gap between Isaiah Pacheco and some of the best backs in the league? Your Christian McCaffrey, those type of thing. Are we talking like a big gap? Is it like 20 percent, 15 percent, 10 percent? Because honestly, like I have it in my head that like Pacheco's just not not that level. But I'm not sure that the gap is as big as we want to say it. Obviously, he's not Christian McCaffrey. But, I mean, is he a top 10 running back in the league? Is he top 15? What do you guys think? I feel like that list is so fluid from year to year and week to week. Like a guy gets hot for a couple of months and all of a sudden it's like like Tony Pollard last year. Nobody was talking about Tony Pollard being a top 10 back in the league before last season. And now all of a sudden, right, he's one of the premier workhorses in the NFL. If Pacheco continues on this path, like I don't think he'll ever get that respect just because 
some of those guys you mentioned, like Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, they are the the centerpiece of their team's offense. And Pacheco is never going to be that in Kansas City. So it's kind of tough. Yeah, I would definitely probably give him top 15. I would say he, he he's shown enough um, consistently to be in the top 15. But I think for the reasons Nick just said, because he's never going to be considered like the centerpiece of the Chiefs offense, no matter what. I don't care if they leaned on him five games in a row. This is still the Patrick Mahomes show, right? So he's never going to be that guy where people are going to be checking for him in a sense or like we have to stop. To stop this offense, we got to stop Pacheco. It's never going to be like that. It's like – so I think because of that top 10 – I mean top 15, I don't think Andy Reid's – Andy Reid's Andy Reid, so I don't care how good Pacheco is going to be. At some point, Andy Reid's like, I'm throwing this ball 40 times today. I don't care what, what Pacheco is doing. So um, I think top 15 is, is a good place for him to be, though. And if somebody had him like at number 10, I wouldn't be mad at them. Yeah, I actually think that's like a perfect range for him. Is that like ten to fifteen range? He's a very like functional running back starter. He can do any maybe not any style of run, but like any downhill run, he does well. I think he's actually improved his his vision and stuff this year. Um, he's like I remember started last year. I was like I don't understand why people are like so excited about him, but then he really popped at the end of the year, and he's improved significantly this year. Um, it would be like, I don't know, this isn't like a smart use of resources. It would be like fun to see like the Chiefs with like a true game changing running back, like a, you know, Christian McCaffrey or something like that. But for the purposes of their roster and like resource wise, Pacheco has been just fantastic. You could not ask anything more out of him, like in general. All right, guys, it's that time of the show. We're going to wrap up with some predictions. I believe the line for Chiefs Vikings on Sunday is Kansas City minus Four and a half, despite the differing records of these teams. Vegas thinks it's going to be a relatively close game. Maurice, why don't you start us off? What's your final score prediction for Sunday? My final score prediction, I, I think the Chiefs um, score at least four touchdowns. I'm going to go 28-17. I'm going to go 28-17. I, I think it'll be close, but not close enough to make us panic. Yeah, the five and a half really scares me. The fact that they won't make it a full touchdown. This is a one and three team. They've been turning the ball over like crazy. The Vikings have. And some of that's Kirk Cousins. This team was down 10 nothing to the um, Frodo Baggins led Carolina Panthers. Um, and I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just, I, I can't believe that we let ourselves talk ourselves into that. Okay. Never mind. Um, but seriously, I, the five and a half, I just, it bugs me. Like I, 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 th- I want to think that this game is more than a touchdown, but I'm going to take the Chiefs 31-27. Like I, I just think that the Vikings are going to just. Here's the one thing. Like if the Chiefs do get up big and they put on the coasters like they did in, in the second quarter last week, like the Vikings can come back. Hawkinson is so good at just like picking up the extra yards that are left underneath by the defense. This is a game that like if the Chiefs get up, I want to see them stay aggressive. I felt like Spagnola kind of started putting away the playbook and he started putting away the playbook in the second and third quarter. And it came back to bite them. This team can't come back on you. They are the purple cockroaches from last year. They would not die. Um, this team knows how to win tough games. Uh, and also you're like, you're facing non-primetime Kirk Cousins. So like, that's a glow up for him. So uh, I, I think the Chiefs do it, but I, I don't expect it to be a relaxed game. A lot of pressure on the Vikes, Nate. They lose this game. They go to one and four and panic's going to start to set in. If it hasn't already, how do you see it going? 
I think there's going to be a lot of people. I, I can't remember what the over under is, but people, I think there's like an expectation that this is going to be like a shootout. But all I'm going to say is this was two weeks ago. Justin Herbert played one of like the best games like of the season. Like he completed like 90% of his passes. Like he was playing out of his mind. They scored 28 points. Like it really like Patrick Mahomes can obviously put up that level of performance, but with this kind of style of defense that like the Vikings play, it can be like, very boom and bust for the most part. I think it's actually going to be a lot more low scoring than people expect. One way to beat a team that blitzes a lot is just run at them because there's not as many just second level defenders to block. So if you just kind of run a lot, like you can like, that's what the Eagles did. The Eagles had like the time of possession of like 40 minutes because they were like, well, we don't even need to pass. We seem to complete like two deep passes and then run the ball for the rest of the game. I kind of think that's what the Chiefs game plan is going to be. Cause I don't know if I feel great about the Chiefs wide receivers being on the same page with Mahomes like all the time right now. So I think it's like, all right, we'll just run the ball into favorable looks and just get a lot of explosive runs. And about the Chiefs defense, yeah, Justin Jefferson's really hard to stop, but the Chiefs have done this before against really good wide receivers. Like, there's been some bad games against Jamar Chase, but we saw in the AFC Championship they ne- he didn't go crazy. They've never let Stephon Diggs really go out of his mind in any time we've ever played the Bills. Like, they they do a generally a pretty decent job of like not letting just one wide receiver dominate the game. And Justin Jefferson is very much a unique challenge, but I think the Chiefs are going to have a good game plan there. And the fact that the Vikings are just really bad on the offensive line, I think that it's pass rush in conjunction with a strong, like strong game plan for the most part. So I'm going to go 24, 20. I know people are going to be like, wow, that seems low, but I think it's going to be a lot lower scoring, kind of a really fast game for the most part, but I still think the Chiefs pull it out. Yeah. I'm going a similar direction as you, Nate. Uh, the over under, I believe is at 54 right now on DraftKings. So uh, I also think it hits the under. I'm taking into account two things really here. First, I, I'm not going to predict the Chiefs' offensive breakout until it happens. I know the Bears two weeks ago, that's the Bears. We saw what Russell Wilson was able to do to them in the second half, in the fourth quarter, really, last week. So I want to see it. I want to see the gradual improvement by the Chiefs' offense before I'm ready to say, okay, this is back to being one of the top three or four units in the NFL. And then I take into the account something I mentioned earlier, which is that the Vikings haven't lost by more than one score this year. And that is like, that's the Kirk Cousins model, which is, hey, I'm good enough to keep you in this game, but I'm just bad enough to lose it for you. I believe Kirk Cousins has thrown three goal line interceptions so far this year, which if you look at the final score of these games, those ended up being fairly important. And that's just kind of why he's, earned that moniker over the years of being a guy who can't really show up in the big games. And even though this isn't a primetime game, uh, the Chiefs are in town. It's one of the games at the beginning of the year that you're every single fan in every single city is circling. Oh, the Chiefs are in town? That's the game we want to go to. So it is a big game when you consider what's at stake here for the Vikings. Like, this is a team that expected to not only win their division, but compete in the NFC. You lose this, you go to one and four. You have to start getting really creative to figure out how this is going to be a playoff team in 2023. Like the expectations are mounting. They are enormous. And I would imagine that pressure is going to be applied very, very firmly on Sunday in Minnesota. So I, I think the Vikings do have enough talent to, to stay close with the Chiefs in this game. So I'm going a similar final score to you, Nate. I'm going to go 27-21 which would be a Chiefs cover and an under for the betters out there. So 
we'll we'll find out exactly what the Chiefs' offense is made of here if they can. Uh, I feel like this theme is continuing of like, can the Chiefs send each fan base into panic mode? All right, two weeks ago it was the Bears. Last week it was the Jets. You beat the Vikings this week in Minnesota. A lot of people are going to be calling for a lot of heads up there in Minneapolis. So we'll talk to you guys. Uh, actually, we may have an episode next week. Stay tuned. I know we've got a Thursday night game against Denver next week. So we may have one. If not, we'll catch you the next week. For Price Carter, Maurice Elston, Nate Christensen, I'm Nick Schwer. Thanks for tuning in to Kingdom Keys here on Arrowhead Pride. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll catch you guys next week.